It was like, oh my God, Yeah. am I going to survive? And that's what it was like. It was like yeah. you float down the aisle, yeah. you walk up on that podium, you're thinking, a billion people are watching this. <laughs> my name is West Givens, and welcome back to the Tungsten Originals podcast. You just heard part of my conversation with Emmy Award-winning director James Sadwith. We discussed his journey from being a vet in Martha's Vineyard to a filmmaker in Hollywood, working with actors such as Alex Wolf and Chris Cooper on his feature film, Coming Through the Rye, and that one time he won an Emmy. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. Episode 21 of the Tungsten Originals Podcast. Professor Sadwood, thank you so much for doing this. How are you doing, sir? I'm pretty good. This we, should be fun. Yeah, we uh, we are almost done with the quarter here. Yes. <laughs> How does it feel to be almost done with your first year uh, teaching feel, at SCAD? Feels pretty damn good. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I've enjoyed it a lot. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a long one. <laughs> yeah, it has. Looking forward to yeah. coming back, though. Definitely. So you have done a lot of interesting projects. You've directed TV um, movies. You've won an Emmy before, which I will for sure put in the title. <laughs> and um, you also have uh, an indie feature called Coming Through the Rye, which I, we actually got to watch whenever I took your directing actors class, which was fantastic. But I think you have an interesting story because you you started out not in film at all, right? So right, um, right. could you walk me a little bit through that story and how you found film, I guess, or how sure. film found you? So as a child, I wanted to be an actor or a comedian and uh, just loved watching movies. Mm -hmm. And in fact, I used to say I want, because my second choice was to be a veterinarian. Okay. So I used to say I <laughs> wanted to be, a, yeah, exactly. I wanted to be a uh, kind comedian or a funny vet. <laughs> okay. <laughs> nice. I like that. And um, all through high school uh, and elementary school, I was in plays and in high school, I was in plays, and I directed plays, mm -hmm. and I, I actually adapted uh, and wrote a play. So I planned to be this famous actor, and after high school, I took a year off and went to New York City, okay. took acting lessons, uh, auditions. I lived in the West Village, but I was too young to be living on my own in New York and mm -hmm. kind of felt uh, out of place, mm -hmm. and I lasted three months, and... I uh, didn't know what I wanted to do, except that I just wanted to be my own boss and live in the country. Yeah. So I decided to be a uh, a funny vet. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I went, uh, when I finally ended up going to undergraduate, I took pre-med courses. But even there, I directed plays, uh, even my first year. I ran talent shows, things like that. When I got into veterinary school, I went to University of Pennsylvania, and even there... I directed talent shows, and I was a tour guide during the bicentennial, uh, oh, okay. 1976. <laughs> and I would get dressed up in yeah. costume and carry a lantern around mm -hmm. and uh, like the colonial well. stuff. Yeah, yeah, it was great. Um, so the that part of it never left. Mm -hmm. and, uh, when I graduated from vet school, I ended up on Martha's Vineyard Island uh, as the sole full-time veterinarian there. And after about two years, I started thinking, you know, I ought to give show business one more time. Mm -hmm. But I don't want to be in front of the camera. I want to be behind the camera. So I applied to film schools, mm -hmm. uh, USC, UCLA. And I got into USC. Uh, there, uh, they said the fastest, I wanted to direct. And they said mm -hmm. the fastest way to direct is to write. So I started writing and did. that's how I got my work and my entry mm -hmm. into the business. Were your family uh, or members of your like close family creative and artistic? Like, where did that bug come from? I have no idea. Except <laughs> um, my father, when he was thirteen in nineteen twenty nine, got a sixteen millimeter movie camera for his birthday. Okay, and I have found the movies that he took and oh, made with cool. his sisters, and they're little dramas with little, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, like cards yeah. from silent movies. Yeah. So he had the bug too, but yeah. he never took it anywhere. He was ended up becoming a mechanical engineer. Okay. Uh, so aside from that, no, nobody in the family. Wow. No, no connections. I would love to have seen like what my, I mean, I have old pictures of my parents, but it'd be so cool to see like films of them like acting out and stuff. Right. That's that's a really really great thing. Yeah, it's pretty cool. <laughs> Did you find it in, like an old attic or something? No, I have all the sixteen millimeter films. Oh and, wow. Uh, actually. Uh, 
edited uh, all of, for their 40th, no, uh, yeah, 40th anniversary. I edited mm -hmm. a bunch of his 16 millimeter films together from his marriage through oh, that's the cool. present. It was pretty that's cool. That's awesome. That's yeah. great. So you said that whenever you were in college and you know going place to place, that you were still doing like talent shows and plays and stuff. So why direct movies instead of like stage plays? That's a good question. Well, for one thing, um, I just wanted to be in the movies. Mm -hmm. I wanted to be in the movie business as opposed to the, and I don't know why, except that I loved movies more yeah. than I loved plays. Mm -hmm. And I also felt I'd given New York City a chance the first time. It didn't work out so well. Mm -hmm. So I figured this time I'm going to give Los Angeles a chance. Okay. And uh, I went out there. But yeah, no, film and television was where I wanted to be at. Do you remember watching one movie and thinking like that's what I want to do was there this one movie that just you know captivated you I wouldn't say one but I loved all these movies by David Lean Bridge okay. in the River Kwai Dr. Zhivago Lawrence of Arabia mm -hmm. those huge yeah. big yeah things that swept you up for two two and a half hours yeah. and when it was over you felt like you had been transported yeah so those movies The Wizard of Oz King <laughs> Kong you know <laughs> all the big ones all the big all the ones, big ones. Yeah. <laughs> that's great so uh, I want to talk about Coming Through the Rye, because like I said, we did watch it in your class, and I thought it was a great coming-of-age story, and I particularly have a fascination with coming-of-age stories, because that's kind of what I make, I guess. I mean, they're shorts, so it's, you know, condensed. But Coming Through the Rye is, like, very autobiographical. I've heard you say, like, 85% to 90% of it is, like, very close to what actually happened. But before doing Coming Through the Rye, you did, you know, a bunch of TV movies, what are the differences in directing something that is, you know, for TV, maybe you don't have that deep of an emotional connection to versus something that is, I mean, you're basically watching Alex Wolf act as you, you know, just uh, years earlier mm -hmm. and go through that. Like, what's that ex different experience like? To, to be really honest, it didn't make a difference. Okay. I, I was not, I was not, oh, um, infused with the idea this is my autobiography yeah. or anything like that whatsoever I, um, it was the same process I, for me it's all about the work mm -hmm. and uh, trying to get performances that are authentic mm -hmm. and so it was it was another movie it wasn't yeah. it was another movie what what was different was that I had raised the money mm -hmm. uh, I had written the script which I had done with many of the movies for television I'd done but um, not all of them but I I'd raised the money, written the script, uh, was directing it, and there was no one above me. Mm. I wasn't getting oh, any network notes. Yeah. I was the guy. Yeah. And that was pretty cool. Yeah. That was pretty liberating. <laughs> yeah, I bet. Uh, I had to be very mindful of you know making my days because this yeah. was uh, money that people that I personally knew and mm -hmm. some that I didn't. But you know there was a responsibility even mm -hmm. bigger. I've always felt responsible towards the budget. I have my projects, but this one I felt even more so. Mm -hmm. Speaking on not having, you know, someone above you, like a boss ahead of you, who did you reach out to for notes? Like with the script, when you're going through multiple drafts, would you send it out to like a small group and, you know, get their feedback? Well, I sent it out. My wife always reads it first. Yeah. <laughs> there are many revisions based yes. on her notes. Yes. And all for the better. She's amazing. Mm -hmm. And... Yeah, there are a select few people that I always send my material to uh, that I feel people who give me honest feedback. Mm -hmm. uh, probably five. Okay. Five people. And then different revisions and mm -hmm. things like that. It takes a lot of trust to send someone a rough draft. Um, I'm always nervous when I do it. <laughs> well, I never feel like it's a rough draft when I send it out. Okay. I, I really work. To me, I've worked it, and I think this mm -hmm. is it when I send it out. Okay. O only to learn that. Ultimately, when yeah. you compare it to the final draft, it was a rough of draft. Of course, yeah. But I, no, I would not show somebody a rough draft. Okay. Um, because then you're not really not getting honest feedback. And mm -hmm. I, I don't show them a rough draft of a... I show them a first... Not a... Well, do I show them rough cuts? I guess you'd call it a rough cut. Mm -hmm. But it's pretty polished for a rough yeah. cut. I don't, I don't show them with a lot of, a lot of music mm -hmm. uh, missing or sound glitches. It's pretty much where I, you know, I'm taking it until mm -hmm. I get some more feedback. Okay. Did you find yourself going through more drafts of the script versus the movies for television that you had you had made in the past? Oh yeah, because I had a much longer lead time. I had uh, Oh, true. Uh, well, first I wrote it as a book. And oh, so okay. I had that and then I adapted the book as a script. 
Yeah, there were many more drafts mm-hmm. because not only did I have my wife, but then uh, my first few investors that I gave the script to, mm-hmm. they had notes, and I made changes for that. Oh, okay. Uh, I gave it to my agents. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had notes, and uh, and and there was a longer lead time. When you get mm-hmm. a, a project for TV, you know, you get like three months to write it. Mm-hmm. Depends on what it is. But, yeah. Or often I'll get a script that I've hired been hired to uh, to rewrite in mm-hmm. order to get a green light. Oh, okay. So there's usually just one or two drafts of that, mm-hmm. and then you're just tinkering, tinkering around the edges. Mm-hmm. Did you find yourself having to give like self-appointed deadlines since you didn't have you know a producer that was um, giving you like three months? Yeah, I mean only because I wanted to start raising money and things like yeah. that. But there were no. Once I started raising money, I felt like I had the final draft, and it turned out I didn't. Um, mm-hmm. There were some big changes that we made based on being worried about uh, the Salinger estate yeah. and not having his permission. So we, uh, I had fictionalized uh, some major scenes, mm-hmm. and then when it looked like we were having trouble getting E&O insurance, er- uh, errors and omissions, mm-hmm. those are the guys that protect you in case you get sued. Mm-hmm. Um, we had trouble getting that, uh, so then I just decided, and again, my wife had been asking me to do this as well as my cousin, who was a big investor, so they were saying, why don't you just tell the real story mm. instead of the parts that I had f- fictionalized in yeah. a big way with Salinger. Mm-hmm. And so once I committed to that, then there's nothing the estate could have done because yeah. I'm telling yeah. my story. Yeah. You have equal rights you yeah. know, to that. What was the hardest challenge with raising the money independently? Uh, pitching. Yeah. You know, pitching to people. So the hardest thing is after you get a rejection to go do it again, mm-hmm. you know, and then do it again and <laughs> yeah, do it exactly. again. Yeah. But that's the nature of the business anyway, right? Mm-hmm. And I can only imagine what it's like for an actor who gets, yeah. you know, auditions after auditions after auditions, doesn't get anything. How do yeah. you keep going back? Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I did. And again, part of that was with my wife. She'd just <laughs> say, you know, you're going to do this. Mm-hmm. You know, you're going to, it's going to, it's going to happen. Just mm-hmm. stick with it. And uh, I did. What was the onset experience like? It's funny because we were talking about this uh, just like three or four days ago. Uh, one of my favorite uh, onset experiences, mm-hmm. maybe my favorite. First of all, everybody was really invested in the yeah. project, and it was a uh, young crew. Mm-hmm. You know, usually I have a, a union crew, and union crews are great mm-hmm. and they're very efficient, and they're also invested in the in a project. Mm-hmm. But this was uh, a lot of people had didn't have a lot of big credits mm-hmm. so you had that almost film school enthusiasm and <laughs> yeah. dedication yeah uh and real respect for the work and for the director and for every i don't know it's just a it was really a very lovely lovely yeah. experience I, f- I found it's much easier and just more fun when everyone feels like they have a personal uh, conviction yeah to it because i've yeah. never you know, directed to set where no one's getting paid because I'm still in film school, so I get I get to see that film school enthusiasm, and it can be naive at times, but I like it. <laughs> well, and on a project like this, where people certainly aren't getting paid big bucks, they're yeah. getting paid about the least you can pay anybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, to have they're still enthusiastic yeah. and excited, and uh, I think uh, part of it was the material. Um, part of it was just I had a great UPM line producer mm-hmm. who was a good cheerleader and uh, and a great cast mm-hmm. and, and just, I don't know, people respected, I guess, that it was my story and mm-hmm. they loved that too. And yeah. It was, it was great. That's awesome. Did you have any crew members, specifically like production heads, in line or in mind whenever you were writing the script? You were like, I want this person to shoot it? Well, yes. Actually, there was a DP I really wanted out of New York and he was union and mm-hmm. he agreed to do it. But then I was warned by my line producer, UPM, that's great, but if he's union and they try to unionize the picture, they're going to come down and tell him he's got to walk. Or oh. if he doesn't walk, then they're going to shut down, they're going to basically shut down your picture yeah. until everybody, you know, until you start paying union wages and fringes and just, it, it, it killed me. I hadn't worked with him before, so, mm-hmm. but I just, for some reason, I felt he was right for the picture. and. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't you know? We just decided to go yeah. non-union with a local cinematographer who ended okay. up doing a beautiful job. And y'all ended up shooting in uh, West Virginia or Virginia? Virginia, Virginia, yeah, okay. outside of Charlottesville. Okay. How did you decide to shoot there? 
one of my producers uh, was from this area, mm-hmm. Orange County, uh, Virginia, and he asked he asked me to come down and check it out. Mm-hmm. I was very skeptical. I felt, oh, he just wants to shoot in his backyard. Well, you know what? I'd <laughs> yeah. like to shoot in my backyard. Yeah, I can exactly. Go home and totally. <laughs> but you know, what the hell? You got to check mm-hmm. it out. Yeah. Uh, and I was look- also looking for a state that had a, a rebate mm-hmm. or tax credits. Uh, I needed a all boys. Well, I needed something that would pass for an all boys boarding school. Mm-hmm. I needed some place that had fall, uh, but didn't have a shortfall like Massachusetts, mm. um, where you know, in the middle of October, it could snow. Yeah. <laughs> so I went down to check it out, and I was blown away mm-hmm. about uh, how all the different looks I could get. I could get mm-hmm. the flat lands of Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. uh, middle of Pennsylvania. I could get the mountains of New Hampshire. Yeah. And there's this all-boys boarding school right there mm-hmm. where no matter which direction you pointed the camera, it looked like it could have been in the 60s. <laughs> and all the boys had long hair and yeah. khakis and blue blazers. Yep. And the chapel was there. And there's a lake there that's in the script. And the mm-hmm. theater, and it was just unbelievable. Yeah. So it, basically it was a no-brainer after that. Yeah. Could you just kind of like see the different events like happening? Everything. It was unbelievable. It yeah. Was, and I mean... The opening of the script talked about, you know, just athletic field after athletic field after yeah. athletic field. And you you drive in there, and that's what it that's is. There's it is, the yeah. shot right there as you're yeah. driving up the driveway. It was it was uncanny yeah. how, how well that fit. It's it's really convenient, too, I feel, to be able to shoot. You know, in the movie, there's like a road trip, and they travel across like several different states. So to be able to shoot all of that, like in the same place, I'm sure just solved like a bunch of yeah. production headaches. It's amazing. <laughs> you don't have to go anywhere. It's all right there. Yeah. If you shoot to the east, it's all flat. <laughs> you shoot to the west, there's got the mountains. Yeah. It was, there it was you go. Fantastic. How long was the shoot? 23 days. Okay. I think maybe 22, and the third and the 23rd day was uh, mostly uh, B camera. I think mm-hmm. that's how it worked. I don't quite remember. Yeah. Was that the longest set you'd ever been on for for a singular production? No, because I did a five-hour miniseries. Oh, wow. So okay. that was, I don't know, you take uh, um, probably 20, 20, 40, 54 days or mm-hmm. 53 days or something like that. What was the biggest on-set problem that you had to solve kind of in the moment? Or were there any In this film or in any film? In, in coming through the right, or I guess just in general. The biggest on-set problem. Um, Because stuff always falls through. Yeah, of course. (laughs) Right. Because we had been told by the headmaster that uh, he'd be able to fill up the chapel with his boys and blazers and khakis and all that. And uh, we had about like 30 people there. Mm. And you needed 200. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, 30 people and some of my investors who had come down Mm -hmm. to to visit the set. And now they're saying, I can't even fill up the chapel. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. That was very disconcerting. Yeah, I'm sure. But we pulled it off. Yeah. He was embarrassed and uh, and basically rounded that he gave us like he said okay next Tuesday I'll get him for mm-hmm. two hours you get him for two hours to wow. shoot probably four hours worth of material oh, gosh um, but we pulled it off yeah that might have been the biggest and then uh, one of the most dramatic scenes in the, mm-hmm. in the script was also uh, which has a lot of pressure on yeah. on the actors and really in retrospect we scheduled it ridiculously as the last scene on the last day and <laughs> two hours <laughs> shouldn't have been done that way because yeah. it puts too much a burden on the actors to be able to know that this big scene is yeah. coming up and they're worrying about it the entire shoot yeah. would have been much better to get it over with earlier um i do want to talk about your cast because you had a fantastic one you had alex wolf who his career is really just like blown up recently and chris cooper who is in one of my favorite movies october sky you had previously worked with Chris Cooper for a TV movie, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So did you just reach out to him, you know, like email him or like, what's the, you know, like what's the, uh, what's the, the protocol? protocol? Yeah. Right. <laughs> what's the protocol for that? Um, no, I didn't have his email address. Okay. I had what's called an address book, which yeah. is something we used to keep before there were com- personal computers. Yes, sir. And that was, uh, I had last worked with him and talked to him in 1991. Okay. So that would have been 24 years, <laughs> 23 years before. Yeah. But there was this phone number, and I said, I got nothing to lose. Yeah, exactly. So I called this number, and I got this, mecha- you know how you get this mechanical voicemail, yeah. which says, please leave a message. <laughs> So I left a message and said, if this is Chris, <laughs> this is Jim Sadwick, remember yeah. me in broad daylight. Yeah. Uh, 
I've got this project I'd really like to talk to you about, and I hope to hear from you. Yeah. And uh, so three days went by. Mm-hmm. I didn't hear anything. So yeah. I almost begun to think, okay, he's not yeah. coming. Yeah. And then the phone rings. I look at caller ID. <laughs> it says Chris Cooper. Wow. And I'm like, holy crap. Yeah. So I like run into this yeah, room totally. and, I, and I answer it and uh, it's Jim. How are you? Oh, and, he remembered you. That's oh awesome. Oh my God. He That's was great. so warm. Oh, wow. So friendly. I actually got choked up I'm that sure, he would yeah. remember me. Yeah. And, and you could tell there was an affection, affection yeah. in his voice. And mm-hmm. uh, so after that, it was like it was a done deal. Well, I had to read the script. Of course. But, yeah. uh, he, he liked it, even though it was just a cameo role. Yeah. But. Uh, he was he was all over it. And he mm-hmm. he thought our offer, which was not very big, <laughs> was very generous. He said that anyway. Uh, gave him a bunch of points in the in the film. And, yeah, which he knew would probably be worth nothing. And but he was a great yeah. great great asset, and yeah. trooper, and person to work with. Did that help with confidence when pitching to people to say I've got an Academy Award winner? Um, coming in by that time we had had pretty much everybody oh, okay. aboard gotcha. um it was uh, it was great and and by the way you know since that we've actually become very close and uh, we mm-hmm. spent the weekend at his house he spent the weekend at our house he and his wife they're fantastic yeah yeah, yeah we got to uh Skype his wife right. in class which was very cool. And Very cl- surreal. And the class last quarter actually got to Skype with him and I his know. wife. I know. And I got your email, and I had class at the time, oh, so I couldn't come. <laughs> that yeah, was really mad. That was great. Yeah, I should have just skipped. I should have just come on by. Right. right. <laughs> and I think we also got to talk with Alex Wolf's mom as well. Right. And, like, he came in for a hot second. Yeah. <laughs> no, that was Nat. That was Nat. Okay, that was second. Nat. And it was such a crazy experience because we're sitting in your classroom, <laughs> your laptop's up front, and there's just, like, a semicircle of like 20 college students and we're talking with the wolf brothers mother who you know has done like the naked brother naked brothers band and all this great stuff and she's like on alex's phone i right. think she's using his phone to skype us in she says oh alex just got a text from nick offerman and it said you are beloved and we all just looked at each other and we're like <laughs> what is happening <laughs> it was just such a surreal right experience for that to happen that's right class. i totally forgot that that's yeah, so funny it was such like a like a film school story. You yes, know? yes. And my class this quarter mm-hmm. got to Skype with Alex. Oh man, you've got all the all the Skype connections. Yeah, well, I spread them out over the quarters. <laughs> okay, I don't so know. I... I'm, I'm uh, now bereft of people for next yeah, year, exactly. but uh, have to figure something out. Yeah, you'll have to call them back. <laughs> yes. Do you? So I want to talk about casting those two other main roles because you actually did, you know, like rounds of auditions for them and stuff. So what was what was that process like? So what like well I guess before I ask that question. Whenever you're directing a TV movie, what is your level of involvement with actually casting the people? Are you just like a hired gun and you and they've kind of got everyone and they just need you to you no, know, it's call the shot? No, it's never been like that. Okay. Sometimes there um, there have been some, I would say, lower caliber projects yeah. <laughs> where, which came with maybe a star or the two leads attached. Okay. I can think of two out of maybe 30 that I've done mm. uh, where the leads were attached, but never in the big... Never in the yeah. big projects. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically, I have complete control over the casting. Yeah, okay. And it's so important because, yeah. as I tried to teach you guys, yes. casting is 90% exactly. of it. Exactly. If you get the right people with talent in the right roles, you have very little work to do mm-hmm. uh, other than sort of keeping them authentic, make yeah. sure you they understand the through line mm-hmm. uh, like you do. Yeah. So, yeah, no, I'm completely involved. So with these guys in this film, we were looking for real 16-year-olds. Yeah, I remember I don't saying like, that. you know, 23, 24-year-olds. Yeah, so common. <laughs> right. Sometimes you can get away with it. I mm-hmm. think uh, Ellen Page was probably uh, in her 20s. Yeah. But it's pretty rare. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we did look at people older. Oh, okay. But um, it became clear that, you know, nobody was getting it. Um, and then saw Alex loved him Mm -hmm. we saw Stefania Mm -hmm. so with Alex he sent in a tape because he was in New York Mm -hmm. and looked at the tape and then I um, I gave him some directions and he sent in another one and then I went to New York to work with him a little bit okay Uh, and Stefania um, she was in New Zealand right? yeah she was in New Zealand she sent a tape um, and we really, that was sort of like the end of our rope. 
okay. uh, and just felt like, oh my God, what are we going to do? Yeah. I will say that we did, wanted to make an offer to uh, Maisie Williams. Really? Arya Stark. And that was <laughs> wow. just at the very beginning of Game of Thrones. Oh, wow. And she was not available. Yeah. And they said, and we said, well, come on, can't you just, you know, we'll work <laughs> it out. It's just a dumb TV it's show. only a couple of weeks, <laughs> two or three weeks. And, yeah. And you can go between her scenes yeah. because she's not in every episode. Yes, sir. Yeah. And their response was, no, we have plans for her. <laughs> was now, I've not seen Game of Thrones, no, but have... I understand she became pretty major. Wow. So can you, I was just saying yesterday, <laughs> can you imagine if we had had right? Maisie Williams yeah. and Game of Thrones blew up like that? Totally. Yeah. Wow. It but, became one of the biggest TV shows ever. I know, I know. I know. So we at least I have good taste, her. right? Yes, exactly. Exactly. Which also reminds me that there was another show that I did a series called uh, Cracker, mm -hmm. and I had just finished working with James Gandolfini. It was before The Sopranos. Wow. And I wanted him to be uh, to be uh, the lead in the series mm -hmm. Cracker, and he ultimately passed because he was. He's, there were like two or one or two page speeches in this thing. Oh. And he felt like he just didn't see those words coming out of his mouth. Hmm. And he went on to do this show called The Sopranos. <laughs> That's another small so, TV right, show. Right. I'm right. I get them just <laughs> right a fraction. Yeah, no. I wonder to... who the next person will be. <laughs> I know. I know. Oh, man. Just almost. Almost the perfect time. <laughs> Didn't you also um, write like an Apollo 13 script yes. with someone in that? In, yeah, I wrote a, a treatment for Apollo 13. Yeah. We had it set up at NBC, I think, with, um, I was with Brian Grazier, I think, mm -hmm. and uh, which who was Ron Howard's partner. Yeah. Then we couldn't make a deal with NBC. Yeah. And, um, they went on to make it without us. <laughs> I still have the letter. Oh, really? You know, the, the like where, rejection letter? <laughs> no, it was a letter from a lawyer. We just, you know, said, uh -huh. hey, wait a second. But we never pursued it any further because yeah. are you really going to sue? Yeah. You know, uh, you figured you'd want to have a career. <laughs> right. right. I'd say that's the better move. <laughs> but let's get back to Stefania for a second. Yes. Because when I was in the casting director's office and mm -hmm. they were looking at her tape and I just said, oh, my God, this is it. Yeah. This is it. She was amazing. She's yeah. just She's, I kept, I would always say at film festivals, she's luminescent. Yeah, that's she a good word. She just has this great yeah. glowing spirit. Mm -hmm. and, uh, we were really, really lucky yeah. uh, that she came along. And their chemistry is fantastic. Yep. And y'all didn't even do a chemistry read. Right, right. No, <laughs> she's in New Zealand, he's in New York. Yeah, and, exactly. No. I know they said uh, when I was watching um, one of the interviews from uh, a film festival y'all went to that, you know, when y'all were shooting in West Virginia, they were hanging out all the time because there's not much to do in West Virginia, in, right. in rural West Virginia. Um, so it's, it's that's one thing that I find really interesting about working on film is how quickly you become close with people. Oh, yeah. Or how quickly you don't like people <laughs> because you're working in such close proximity. Yep. You know, and it's very intense relationships. Yes. Someone, when I first started directing, someone said, it's it's like summer camp, and everyone just, I love you, yeah. we're going to keep in touch, <laughs> yeah, exactly. and, all that, and you know Always. what, you don't. Exactly. There's, there's no actor. I keep in touch with Alex now, and Stefania. In fact, we went to New Zealand and spent Christmas with them. Oh, that's awesome. Um, and Chris. Mm -hmm. But my other pictures, not, not so much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, people people come and go. Yep. We all find our own, find our people. What did you learn about yourself from shooting events that had happened in real life? Did you get a new perspective on the events? Um, a new perspective. Yeah, you know, I didn't do this to work through any issues or anything like that. Yeah. It was just, a, in fact, I never thought it was really um, a movie, but people kept saying, when are you going to make a movie about that Salinger? Oh, okay, experience? yeah. When I finally decided to stop TV in order to, concentrate on getting a feature mm -hmm. and doing a feature um, this seemed like the most obvious mm -hmm. but i did find by the end of it i had worked through something because mm -hmm. there were a lot of uh, the movies about a, a young kid who who has a very very rough time mm -hmm. uh, being harassed and bullied at his all boys boarding school and by the end of the movie i was at peace hmm. you know i i was pretty much good with it all but yeah. clearly I, I felt much more at peace when it was over and it was it was like the last line in the catcher in the rye which this book is inspired and uh, the movie is inspired by 
uh, Holden says, don't go telling anybody everything, anything, because if you do, you start missing everybody. Mm-hmm. And that is exactly how I felt by the end of this movie. Mm-hmm. I felt like even those jerks. Yeah. <laughs> And ended up becoming <laughs> friends with the captain of the football team really? who's been to our house uh, and oh, spent wow. the weekend there. Yeah. And he came to visit us in Savannah and uh, uh, who's just a riot yeah. uh, and I love dearly. And it was great. And a whole bunch of the people who were sort of theoretically represented in the movie came <laughs> yeah. to the New York premiere. Oh, great. It was pretty good. Were you nervous knowing that they were going to go see it? Yeah. In fact, I, was, <laughs> I, was, I, I positioned myself watching so i could see the reactions yeah. on the face of one of the people who was had a pretty big role yeah. or based on that person yeah to watch the reactions and uh looked like they really enjoyed it <laughs> okay, and good. got some very nice letters yeah. and emails from yeah from those people i'm sure you you checked where all the exits were in the theater yeah. at that screening <laughs> right <laughs> prepared prepared to get out of there <laughs> there was one student who wasn't even in the movie but uh, who kind of like disappeared at the end of the movie? Oh, uh, never came up and said anything. So never to be seen again. I guess he didn't appreciate uh, <laughs> my uh, yeah my take on our years there. Well, you can't you can't win them all, <laughs> right? Well, obviously, a, a lot of people appreciated your take because y'all have been to so so many film festivals. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's it would take too long to name them all. Was that your first festival experience attending as a filmmaker? Yeah, yep. What was that like? Um, Yes, I'm trying to think. <laughs> There's any? I don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. Mm-hmm. It was fantastic. Yeah, I had no idea what to expect. Mm-hmm. It was. It's such a high. You're yeah. such a celebrity, yeah. and they fly you in. They yeah. put you up. They go to parties. Everybody wants to talk to you. They mm-hmm. want to interview you after your movie. And being a director for television is one thing you never get to experience, uh, and that is. Watching your film on the big screen with a theater mm-hmm. full of people you don't know. Yeah. Usually there's like a premiere with the cast and crew and mm-hmm. all your friends, and that's fine. That's yeah. thrilling. You see it on a big screen, everybody loves it. Yeah. But here to watch people laugh and bring out their handkerchiefs and clap and cheer, mm-hmm. and oh my God, there's no bigger high. Yeah. It's fantastic. And you would think after seeing it so many times by the time it was finally, you know, you're uh, locked and ready yeah. to go. And yet watching the film festivals, I, I went to every screening, oh, every really? screening. Uh, and and just it was like uh, like a dog in the desert just lapping it up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It never gets old. It did never got old. Yeah. No. I know you said you came to the Savannah Film Festival. It right? was my second film festival. The okay. first had been like three days before. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was the Heartland Film Festival okay. it, yeah. uh, where we had our premiere. So then we were at the Savannah Film Festival. And I can honestly say it is, I think, my favorite film festival. Really? Yeah. It was just, it's great. The audience was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Meg Ryan's movie was right before mine. And uh, so basically that was sold out. But mm-hmm. while people were waiting to get in, I went up and down the line yeah. giving little postcards mm-hmm. saying, come to my movie right after. And mm-hmm. it's at the Lucas. And and we had a huge crowd. And I was with Alex and Stefania. And we just kept looking at each other at the reactions <laughs> yeah. you know, during the movie. People laughing in places yeah. that were we thought were maybe something would evoke a smile. Yeah. And they yeah. were laughing. Yeah. And, oh, my God. It was fantastic. Is it weird to think that now you're a professor here at like the your favorite <laughs> film festival? Um, no, it's, a, it's not weird. It's just, it just really makes cool. Sense, yeah. yeah, and the going to the film festival this year was amazing. Yeah, I yeah. I'll always love attending. Yeah. I'm since I'm going to be a senior next year. I'm I want to just go all out and like go to every every yeah. movie that I can because typically I can only like choose a few. So I want to like just buy a badge and you know. Do it. Do it for it's real. Yeah, you know? it's fantastic. It's such a great experience to see movies before they hit the theater. Like, I remember I saw freshman year. I had no idea how the film festival, you know, worked at all. And I went to buy a ticket, and I was in line with a friend, and we were like, oh, La La Land, that sounds that sounds okay. You know, <laughs> I, we didn't, I knew nothing about it. And we right. watched the trailer, and I was like, oh, okay, yeah, it looks, looks fun. I'll go see it. And then it, you know just this huge success and a fantastic movie and everyone's crying and stuff. And that was in the trustees and I was in the very, very back. I was like three rows from the very back. And it was just a, like you said, the crowds are amazing here. And so what did you, uh, when you were watching it, did you say, Oh my God, this is great. This is going to be a hit. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know if I could have made like 
maybe I could have called it being a hit. I think uh, what myself and a bunch of other students resonated with was, you know, the pursuit of success and whether you're an actor or like a filmmaker or a musician or whatever it is, like it, it just really tapped into this idea of pursuing being able to do what you want in the creative industry, like pursuing success that way. I mean, you know, as art students, we're all constantly discussing and thinking about is this going to work? You know, like mm-hmm. is this going to mm-hmm. work out eventually? You know, right? Um, we make a lot of self-deprecating jokes to <laughs> to hide those thoughts away. You know, mm-hmm. and what I loved is that it you know it didn't end on a happy note. It didn't right. end on like a real note. Right. And um, I'm blanking on the director's name right now, which is so frustrating. But so, Damien Chazelle. Damien Chazelle. Yeah. yeah, I knew he was fantastic, mm-hmm. and he went on to do First Man with Ryan Gosling, which is one of my favorite movies. So there was some actor that was like in, in the seats and we were like looking down the balcony, like looking at the actor or anything. It was just a very crazy experience as like a first year student. You right. know? Yeah, I bet. <laughs> um, yeah. And I really wanted to go see last year, well, I was in your class actually, The Favorite by Yorgos Lanthimos, but I right. couldn't because I went to that festival back home and I really wish I could have experienced that with like a with the you know Savannah Film Festival audience yeah because the audience is just amazing mm-hmm. they so, are did yeah. you see eighth grade with this audience I didn't get to oh my I've God. seen the movie but I I remember you saying in, in class I was like the best theater going experience oh, amazing yeah yeah I it's such it. a great students movie. shouting yeah. at the screen <laughs> yeah. don't do it yeah exactly because that's this you know eighth grade the movie it's like we're all watching our lives exactly. just not too long ago happening Every everyone I talk to, they're like, "That movie's so cringy," but in like a good way. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah, know? yeah. It's no. like supposed to be. Exactly. <laughs> so it was great. Yeah. Um, the film industry has changed a lot since you moved out to Los Angeles and, and we're attending USC. What has been the most surprising change that you've seen? Hmm. Um, the most surprising to me was the sudden death of DVDs, mm. <laughs> uh, and that. Basically, that was one of the major ways a small indie can recoup yeah. their money. And kind of between the time that I started writing my script mm-hmm. and pitching it and then finally released it, DVDs were dead <laughs> and Netflix had taken over. Yeah. It's For most filmmakers, Netflix is not a, um, it's not a lucrative way to, mm-hmm. to make your money. Yeah. They don't pay very much. They don't tell you. I mean, for some movies, obviously the Sundance hits and all that. Of they, course, they yeah. Go all out, but mm-hmm. for little indies that uh, didn't get a big splash, mm-hmm. you know, they don't pay a lot, and uh, <laughs> and then everybody watches it on Netflix. Of course, so you're yeah. kind of yeah, using exactly up all your market. So yeah, that was that was very very surprising. Mm-hmm. Um, what else has changed? Well, just the size of the cameras. When <laughs> <laughs> uh, I yeah. started. We didn't even have uh, digital editing, mm-hmm. so we were editing on flatbeds and movieolas. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so that was that take up like as much as this huge table does, you know, like these huge right, rooms. Right. And then you have trim bins with yeah. you know little literally Literal paper bins. clips yeah. <laughs> with your through the sprocket yeah. hole. You're hanging your 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 trims. It's unbelievable yeah. how that has changed. But I remember when I was editing back then, I was I, I remember saying this feels like the dinosaur age. <laughs> yeah. Has nobody come up with yeah, anything exactly. better? Yeah. Then at least there was the flatbed. Yeah. Uh, that was sl- slightly better, but you still got the trim bins and all yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. And then um, around 91, people were working on the CMX 6000. Mm-hmm. And actually, um, one of my, the movie that Chris Cooper was edited on that. Mm-hmm. And that was fantastic. Yeah. And then I did a five-hour miniseries for Sinatra, and we, I, try, I begged Warner Brothers. I said, let's do this electronically. Yeah. No, 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 no. Wow. No. You know, we don't trust that stuff. <laughs> we don't trust that stuff. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> so, And here we are. I know. With all, all the digital cameras, you know, here at film school and everything. Right, right. I remember, uh, I think the story is that Kodak, there was like a camera engineer at Kodak that was the first person to invent digital photography and just as like a fun side project. And he went up to the Kodak execs and like told them about it. And they said, there's no way that'll take off. Yeah. And then Kodak goes bankrupt right. <laughs> because they didn't develop it themselves. Exactly. So it's crazy to see how it's changed. Did you find yourself, did your methods have to adapt to new technology in terms of directing? Um, 
Or do you just kind of let the people dealing with the equipment figure that out? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't get involved with the equipment. Yeah. But one thing, when I started out, uh, we had you know, these big Aries or mm. whatever camera we we're using on mm-hmm. a huge dolly. Everything was always on the dolly because yeah. the things were so damn heavy. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, you use wheels. Yeah. Have you seen wheel? You If you go down to Leopold's, you can see the wheels. I think so. So you got a wheel that goes left and right oh, and a yes. wheel that goes up and down. Yeah. And that's the not, and the it's like and trying to rub your belly and scratch <laughs> yeah. your head at the same <laughs> yeah, time. Exactly. So I, yeah. I actually rented a set of wheels. Yeah. Uh, and a tripod, and I would I put a, a flashlight, taped a flashlight to the top, okay. and then I would do the alphabet on the wall oh, with the wow. flashlight to to get the feeling yeah. of how to use it. Because, and also when I first started directing, I would get behind the camera and try to line up shots and stuff yeah. like that, and mm-hmm. uh, because I I always felt very looked very. Uh, I liked looking through the camera. I felt yeah. like I get a lot of ideas. Yeah, definitely. But. Don't do that anymore. Now, sometimes okay. they have the lens on a stick, and we can use that. Yeah. I've done it enough that I can tell what I'm looking at, and they said, mm-hmm. you know, what lens you want, and I can yeah. kind of figure out what size yeah. that's going to be. And uh, So I don't need to do that. And plus, you can go over to the monitor. Yeah, you know, you exactly. To, Video uh, village and stuff. Right. And yeah. So I can see sort of the move on the monitor. Mm-hmm. And Am I missing anything through not looking through the camera? I'm certainly speeding up production by not yeah. looking through the camera. Absolutely, yeah. Um, but I don't think so. Whenever you're writing a script, are you imagining shots in your mind? Are you like a quote-unquote visual writer? Very, very okay. much so, yep. Because that's what I've loved about filmmaking yeah. in the first place. And mm-hmm. I talked about the David Lean pictures. Yeah. I love really strong visuals. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, my I write the very strong visual sense. And because I'm directing them, I mm-hmm. often actually, a lot of my descriptions do sound like shots, um, oh, okay. but not so much so that if a network executive or studio executive is reading it, they're going to be, mm-hmm. it's not going to feel technical to them at all. A layman, quote unquote layman, can still like understand it? Yeah, understand okay. it and be swept, hopefully swept up. Yeah, but, yeah. You know, they get it. They're not taken out of it. Yeah. How do you convey that visual language to your DP? Is it just purely what's on the page or do you meet yeah. up with them? And yep. okay. Oh, of course. And then you meet yeah. with them. First of all, you, you when you're interviewing DPs, you yeah. you talk about different styles and what mm-hmm. their thoughts are and what your thoughts are. Uh, and then once you hire them, mm-hmm. um, totally, you you sit down and you talk about the look and you look at magazines or mm-hmm. pictures. You basically, I've never made a uh, you know a mood book or a vision book or anything oh, like that, okay. a director's book, but that's kind of what you ended up doing yeah. just through discussions yeah. and flipping through magazines mm-hmm. in those days. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we never did those. Okay. Um, I want to talk about you winning your Emmy because okay. that's pretty incredible. <laughs> and I loved whenever you showed us your Kickstarter campaign for funding for coming through the rye and it was perfectly placed on the bookshelf <laughs> behind you, which we would all do if we could do that. You've been nominated multiple times before, mm-hmm. but I think I remember you in class saying that the second, whenever you actually won, you like totally were unprepared to win because <laughs> like competition. No, was, no, no, no. You got it backwards. Oh, Okay. So the first time I was nominated for writing uh, of a miniseries that I also directed, Mm -hmm. we had about six or seven nominations. Mm -hmm. And I didn't memorize the speech because I thought I wasn't going to win. Yeah. And I wanted to be spontaneous if I did or whatever. (laughs) Yeah. And getting, arriving at the theater, Mm -hmm. I started to panic, just sweat bullets. (laughs) Yeah. And then the closer it got to my... Um, category, category. Yeah. I was just almost hyperventilating, thinking <laughs> I'm going to forget people. I don't know what I'm going to say. Yeah, I'm exactly. Gonna... And so I, I when I, when I didn't win, it was like, ah, thank yeah, God. yeah, thank God, yeah. So that, I decided that was a terrible way to, <laughs> yeah, to go to the Emmys. <laughs> yeah. So the you next time, enjoy it. next time I got nominated, I really, I mean, this time, absolutely no chance. Yeah. The, the competition. Uh, where the the top directors, including a feature director, mm-hmm. um, and I don't say that to try to pump me out. I just, no, it's just the honest truth. I didn't think <laughs> I was going to win. Yeah. But I said, I'm going to enjoy the Emmys this year, so I'm yes. going to prepare a speech. Smart. And I did, and I memorized it uh, absolutely, mm-hmm. uh, saying it backwards and forwards. Yeah. And did you show your wife drafts of the speech as well? Maybe. maybe. I don't remember. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then when I got nominated, it was an out-of-body experience. Yeah. It, I mean, when I won. When you won, yeah. It was just like, 
oh my god yeah and i got up and walked up there floated to the to the it stage really is, it's so weird yeah. yeah the thing i compare it to is when i was in uh, veterinary school i took uh flying lessons Oh, got okay. my private pilot's license. Oh, cool. So you, you, you take lessons and you fly with a, an instructor for like 20 hours. Yeah. And then someday, they never tell you when, you're, you know, you're practicing touch and go landings and finally he says, uh, pull over. He says, I'm getting out. You're on your own. Wow. And it's the, just like that. Yeah. It's like, oh shit. Oh, <laughs> can I say that? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> it was like... Oh my God. Yeah. Am I going to survive? And that's what it was like. It was like yeah. you float down the aisle, yeah. you walk up on that podium, you're thinking, a billion people are watching this. <laughs> and I said the speech. Yeah. And I wish I had brought it with me. It'd be fun to show the class. Oh, yeah. You know, my Emmy speech. Mm -hmm. But it was pretty good. Yeah. It was pretty good. Did you just, do you even remember? like saying the words at all Did i remember just, like, every word i could say really? i can repeat it right now wow. I just, uh, yeah absolutely totally remember it is that something when you went to film school that you were thinking like because I, I i'm i will not lie at all and say i've absolutely thought about what i would say if i like won an oscar or something like that was that even like remotely on your radar when you moved out to la well this it was in my speech actually because oh, okay i said um Whatever it was, uh, 15 years ago, I left Martha's Vineyard, a beautiful mm -hmm. island with a beautiful woman, and I told her I wanted to uh, try the film business, and she said, well, what do you mean, try it? How long? I said, well, if I don't get a win like an Emmy or an Oscar in two years, <laughs> we'll come back. <laughs> And then I said, so I said, 15 years later. <laughs> Two years. That is, yeah. That's a strict deadline. <laughs> that was pretty <laughs> presumptuous, right? Yeah, that's ambitious. Winning an Emmy, or, well, some sort of award, some sort of validation. Of course, yeah. But I did, in the, in the speech, I said, like an Emmy. Yeah. And uh, it was pretty funny. I got a lot of laughter. <laughs> yeah, that's um, great. But I did get validation. You know, of I, course, I yeah. won a screenwriting award in film school, mm -hmm. and uh, I got a Jack Nicholson screenwriting scholarship. Wow. So I had a number of things along the way. Yeah, gave me this, you know, this validation yeah. that yeah, you're you're doing the right thing. Yeah, I think those are very very important. And yeah. I think film school is all about like you know finding those moments, and of course they're. I mean, they vary person to person. Like that's, I mean, last weekend, the thing that I directed was like, you know, just one of those things, just working on it. But I think you have an interesting perspective on the film industry because you've, you've, you've been and you've done it and you've seen, you know, both the film and the, and the digital age of it. And now you're teaching the next generation of filmmakers. Two-part question. The first one is what you've, I mean, you've, you've worked with many, like many, many film students. What do you see as the biggest thing that is holding us back to just doing it? Or maybe the biggest like thing that's wrong with our like thought processes. I don't know if that makes sense at all. Well, I, I think I know what you're saying. Okay. Um, you know, I've said it in almost every class. Uh, I, I think it's maybe a failure to understand or to grasp its story and character mm -hmm. by and large that people want to watch and that's going to get you attention. Mm -hmm. And if you can master that, that telling and creating great stories mm -hmm. with great characters, you're way, way, way ahead of the game. Yeah. And it's not about whether you get the red, uh, yeah. you know. Uh, or you shot on film or anything. Right. Yeah. Nobody in any film festival is going to know what camera you <laughs> shot on. Nor will they care. Nor will they care. <laughs> um, you know, one of the most talked about movies in years is Tangerine. Exactly. Shot on an iPhone. Yeah. And that's not a one-off. Uh, yeah. So just concentrating on mm -hmm. great performance, great characters, great story. Mm -hmm. Now, that's not to say that someone here isn't going to be the next Terrence Malick or yeah. uh, really visual mm -hmm. uh, filmmaker. Um, but by and large, most of you who are going to make it are going to make it through character and yeah, story. Definitely. A lot of people that were in the class that I took with you in, in the fall of last year, was, which was directing actors, you know, a lot of us are about to become seniors. Um, I think everyone in that class was a junior, so we're either about to become seniors or already are. Are you hopeful seeing these these fresh faces going in? What do you see as the future of of the of the industry, if you will? Um, yeah, very hopeful. And the, the amount of filmmaking you guys do is unbelievable. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's I mean, a I'm lot. still trying to process it, <laughs> and I think it's amazing. Yeah, I mean, and, and film school, my first year with a little Super 8 movie camera mm -hmm. on your own, you didn't have any crew. Yeah, you had to do five films in a semester. 
Okay. So basically, I don't know, every few weeks you had to yeah. turn in a little uh, non-sync sound. Film, <laughs> okay, yeah. Um, which was great. Yeah. So you're making movies. Yeah, exactly. And then the next thing was called 310. That was the level of the film. And that was a 16 millimeter and you got one partner. <laughs> he's your DP. Wow. Uh, he's your DP and editor. Mm -hmm. And you do sound, I don't know, or DP and sound, and you do, you edit and direct or something. Mm -hmm. And then you reverse roles for oh, that, okay. that film. Yeah. And that's your senior project. So basically, yeah. two semi big films. Yeah. <laughs> now, um, and you guys, like, you guys are doing that every weekend. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. <laughs> so I think it's amazing. Yeah. I think it's amazing. Um, but the key is, are you getting better? Are exactly. You, or are you yeah. making the same kind of films over and over again? So, mm -hmm. um, or not the True. same, you know, same caliber. So that's, yes. that's actually one of my students came in last week and was saying, uh, um, yeah, I don't want to just, I've been in a lot of films, but it just feels like they're all the same level. Yeah. But that, what are you going to do? That's how you're, on exactly. the other hand, that's how you learn, you know, you, you yeah. and you get better and better and better. Mm -hmm. um, so I think it's incredible. Mm -hmm. Do you have one nugget of advice for all of us that are about to graduate and head on out to the real world and the big city yep don't give up i loved watching in addition to movies i always loved watching award shows <laughs> yeah. uh, and you know the academy awards the emmys the golden globes the tonys and the one thing they're always telling you know they get up there and said my advice to you people don't give up mm -hmm. don't give up mm -hmm. and i always remembered that and that's uh that's something uh i think is true you just got to get be prepared for yeah. it to get knocked down and, yeah. and and have that make you even more resilient. Yeah. I mean, like you were saying, you you gave yourself two years and it took 15, but right. <laughs> it's better than not at all. You right. know, I wasn't even out of film school. In two years. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, well, Professor Sabo, thank you so much for doing this. this it's been great, great. To, um, to talk with you. I really appreciate it. And I look forward to... Um, taking you for senior two next year All right, and great. getting your feedback and you're a great host thank you're you so much uh, i appreciate it and host i will say this is this is one of the first podcasts that i've actually been a little more nervous about yeah, <laughs> because like, typically oh i just come in here and it's a friend and well let's just talk about movies for now <laughs> but like i like i was telling you i, I tried to do a little bit of homework <laughs> well you've done an amazing job and this one the first interviews I've had where I haven't felt nervous at all. Oh, perfect. So okay. I've well, just great. had a great time. That's good to hear. Thank yeah. you so much. You're welcome.